Yo, what's up everyone? My name is Drew Joyner. Some of you may know me as Drew What I Do on YouTube, and I am the host of season two of the Beyond the Garment podcast, a podcast dedicated to enriching the lives of others, where each week I invite a brand new guest on the show within the realm of fashion, culture, and or art to talk about their life and their experiences. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to come listen to this podcast. It means a ton to me. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Before we get started with today's podcast episode, I want to check in with you guys. How are you doing today? Um, For me, I'll tell you guys my personal kind of experience for this week. I've had a lot going on and it's been a little bit overwhelming, but I'm still able to crank out these episodes week in and week out. I love doing these episodes. I love having guests on like the one we have on for this week's episode. But anyways, hopefully you guys are doing all right. Hopefully you guys get some value out of this, whether it be just listening to a dope conversation or actually maybe some things that you can take away from it and you can imply or apply to your own life. Let's get into the intro. As you can tell by the title of the episode, today's guest is Shane Long. Shane is currently the production manager and the apparel designer at Haven, in which he's been at the company for about eight years now. For those who don't know Haven, it is a multi-retail brand that delves within the fashion, or excuse me, this is all fashion, so yeah, but delves delves in streetwear, menswear. Um, in kind of contemporary fashion, that's the way I would describe it. And you can get a better grasp for what Haven is if you just look up their Instagram. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now. I just looked it up and actually on Instagram it's at is Haven Shop. So if you want to check out a little bit what Haven does, get a better idea than just maybe an auditory kind of messaging. You can actually see and look at what the brand is about. Go check that out. Let's get back to Shane. So like I said, Shane has been working there for about eight years now, and he also is the founder of his very own label, Adapture, which focuses on more of a technical approach to clothing, mainly t-shirts and long sleeve t-shirts right now. And I think that what Shane is trying to accomplish with the idea of the brand name Adapture is clothing that adapts to whatever situation you're in, whether you're you know, out walking and then all of a sudden, you know, your buddy calls you up and you want, he wants to go for a bike ride. You can, you know, wear the same outfit that you have on, wear the same shirt that you have on for that bike ride, as well as more of a casual kind of um, event. Shane has some really, really incredible insights when it comes to what he's been able to do at Adapture in his role at Haven. This is like the, what, like the eighth or ninth Canadian on the show. Showing a lot of love to Canada right now. He's from uh, uh, Vancouver. (laughs) So that's fun. I have to throw this in there. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. It would mean the world to your boy, Drew. Without further ado, let's get into today's live intro and to today's episode. One of my favorite parts about hosting this podcast is finding out about and being able to talk to guests like the one we have on today's show. Shane Long is the founder of Adapture, a fairly young brand out of the Vancouver area that focuses on creating breathable, functional, everyday clothing. But Shane's history in the fashion industry is also extremely extensive. He's currently in a stint at Haven right now, which for those who don't know is sort of like a multi-brand, multi-discipline kind of 
in-house and they have other brands as a part of their kind of prop their 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 value prop to to the customers um super excited to have shane on man shane how are you doing today and uh talk to us a little bit about what the weather is like in vancouver <laughs> <laughs> now i'm doing good man uh the weather has been kind of crazy like uh, we've had like a lot of random forest fires so really I think the past couple of days like we finally had some rain <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so it's been That's nice good. it's 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 sunny though that's good. That's good. It's like, it's good that there's rain. Cause I know that the fires out West being in Colorado, like we had a ton of like poor air quality, like uh the worst air quality in the entire world type thing because of the <laughs> yeah. amount of like smoke that was over the top of like the city and the state of Colorado. It was pretty bad. So I'm, I'm glad to hear things are maybe raining a little bit more over there on, on the West coast and just being a little bit more mellow <laughs> yeah for sure it's like much needed it was just like a straight drought <laughs> man it's been crazy it's been crazy i feel like the last several summers the the weather has just in terms of fires in terms of just crazy weather and all these things have been going on and so yeah anyways man um i'm excited to have you on I'm excited to talk to you. We were talking a little bit beforehand. It's always great to talk um, and just have a kind of have your guard down. You, you're very, I don't know, right now I feel, I'm feeling very relaxed. So that's always a good sign. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the first question. Uh, Shane, what is your background? What is, uh, you know, where are you from and, and how was it like for you growing up as a kid? Yeah. So um, I'm actually Chinese Canadian. I was born in uh, Vancouver and actually raised in Surrey. Uh, we moved out there uh, right after we moved out to China when I was like two. So we went back to back to Surrey right after that. Um, growing up, growing up, I actually grew up in a Christian school most of my life. Uh, oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of like uh, it's different moving from China, like as a, as like a two year old or whatever, and then going back to Vancouver and then just going to straight to like a Christian school out in Surrey. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How did how does that kind of like upbringing kind of mold you? How do you think it, it impacted your 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 life to now? <laughs> um to be honest, I think it was definitely like a weird culture shock back and mm. back and forth. Like I was way too young to realize the culture shock in China, but then definitely a little bit of when I went back to Canada. Right. Um it I don't know. I was there for most of my life, to be honest, like uh, from grade two to like grade 10 or something. So wow. it was just kind of like a, a time where I had to adjust a lot. And it was a little bit harder to like really find myself or find who I really was during those t those, those times. But uh, yeah. I think after um, after I went and went to like a public school and uh Honestly, I started meeting like more like-minded people and right, right. just kind of found my place there. Yeah, it's always it's always interesting the like as a kid, it at times you're really trying to figure everything out and I love like talking about a little bit human psychology and sociology like especially when you're a kid cuz like it really does formulate some of the uh, just choices you make as an adult. It just does, you know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. like having that ability to you know, find people that are like-minded as you got older. Like, I, I can only imagine how, you know, great of a feeling that was, but also just formulating that was too. And I, I know I might be getting ahead of myself because I really don't know your story like that well. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's true though. It's true. It's 100%. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, totally. 
like I grew up, you know, not being able to like belong anywhere. If that's the case, like it was kind of hard to find my place. But you know, as a kid growing up in that era, like kind of just raised by media. Like, right, right. We're, we're straight up raised by media. Like a lot of things that influenced me was like, like basketball culture, mm. like streetwear culture. Like I used mm. to skate back in the day. So like kids on my block would meet up and we would skate and, you know, kind of get really, really attached to that. And yeah, yeah. it's just all that kind of cultural stuff. Like that's what grew, that's who, that's what made me who I was. And that's kind of what I grew up with. Totally. I feel like it, does that have an effect you think maybe on, the you know the career choices you made too i can only i can only you know imply that some of the the cultural impacts also had an impact on kind of your first introduction into clothing into fashion you want to talk to me about that a little bit yeah for sure um as honestly as a kid like my my parents were both like artists didn't really uh give me a strict career path for anything or like and they're stereotypes in that sense so they kind of gave me free reign so like as a kid, I uh, we had a cousin who actually gave a lot of clothes to us, as a, to me and my brother. One of the first things that he gave us, the most memorable thing was like, he gave my brother a pair of uh, Jordan 5 uh, Fire Reds. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> As a kid, I'm, like right when they came out, you know, like when the fives <laughs> came out. And uh, I got the hand-me-down, like they were all beat up when I had it, but... Uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember that vividly, and he even like uh, he gave us like my first Stussy shirt <laughs> back in like the nineties. Um, you know, I think that was that was just somewhat of a little introduction of uh, streetwear for me and clothing. Totally, yeah, totally, totally. And and so the first introduction is those fives, like hand me down. Like, where did you take it from there? Like, ever since you got a taste of maybe a little bit of. <laughs> of what Jordan had to offer, like, you know, the, that subculture had to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, were there more moments that you can remember that, oh, yeah, I had to have these or I was maybe not even had to have this item or product, but just always, like, looked at it and was, like, you know, enamored by it. Talk to me. Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So growing up, uh, I played a lot of basketball even as a kid. And mm-hmm. uh, we, me and my brother used to collect slam magazines. Like we just had every class, like every issue, you know, like from the yeah. Iverson, Iverson cover to like the class of 96 cover, like we had all of it. So uh, going back in the day, like just looking at the, you know, the shoes, the East Bay stuff, just looking at, <laughs> looking yeah. at what you can't get sometimes. <laughs> out in Canada, it was hard, you know, we had to wait yeah. for a footlocker to come out with it or the champs, but uh, yeah, yeah. it was a, uh, you know, the, we were just like, oh, this is the next hype shoe. Or you see Vince Carter wearing the Tai Chi's, and you're like, I got to get those. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I forgot. I mean, Vince is a Vince is a huge figure, I feel like, for Canadian basketball and for, for sports. Especially, I mean, obviously, Vancouver is on the other side of the country compared mm-hmm. to Toronto. But mm-hmm. do you even still, like, do you have, like, a – I mean, Toronto is – I guess how do I want to ask this? Like from a basketball standpoint, I've never asked, I've never asked someone who's in Canada this, but like Mm -hmm. from a basketball standpoint, are you looking at the Toronto Raptors as like, like your favorite team in the, in the NBA or in the league, if you follow the league or are they Toronto's team or are they Canada's team? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, to to be honest, I'm not sure if I remember, we had a team in Vancouver. We had the Grizzlies. We had the the Grizzlies. Grizzlies You're so right. Yeah, but they were trash, but, (laughs) 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 you know, we, we had the Grizzlies. So we, 
you know, it's hard to say I'm like a full on uh, East Coast basketball fan, if that's the case, right. you know, like I still kind of right. have to show some love to the West. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no. So we had this like tr- Toronto vi- rivalry, like kind of, but you know, yeah. it's not, yeah. we weren't even close to Toronto, uh, tr- to Toronto. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It kind of shows my youth a little bit. I totally forgot about the Grizzlies. I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, in the current zeitgeist of, of basketball, you know, the the teams that I remember that are gone are like the um the Sonics, the yeah. Seattle Sonics. Yeah. And, you know, now the OKC Thunder. And I, I this is kind of a divergence from the podcast, but I, I just saw today somewhere, I think they're trying to decide whether they want to bring Seattle's team back or if they want to put it in Vegas. I think mm-hmm. it's a huge kind of contention. I don't I don't know if it's going to happen or not. but I, I hope Seattle gets it. They deserve it. They need I hope it. Seattle gets it too. I hope Seattle because yeah. it's like they had it and it's kind of unfortunate that they lost it. <laughs> yeah. It's like they had something good going on, you know? Like yeah, after sure. Vancouver left, that was the closest thing for us too. So really, Yeah, good point. That's another mm-hmm. good point. That's another good point. In mm-hmm. Vancouver, how far is it to to get to Seattle from Vancouver? Like, can you drive, or is it usually a flight kind of thing? Or yeah, it's three hour drive. It's not that three bad. Yeah, next closest thing is going down to Portland. It's like six hours, but six hours. It, it's three, still three, it's still fun. Three hours isn't bad. Three hours is not bad, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, it's not bad at all. Let's talk a little bit about your experience at Haven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you've been working there for I think on your LinkedIn it says about eight years, mm-hmm. um, and you know for what I could dig up, you were know apparel designer project manager production manager um talk to me a little bit about what it's like working there and your experience and your time there yeah so i actually started as just kind of like a floor staff and uh i was in design school at that time and you know i was still studying very very new to it but uh, i've always had an interest in apparel and technical apparel and Mm -hmm. um uh one of the owners they asked me if i wanted to actually design the in-house brand so wow I was able to get the experience to actually start from scratch. So that's incredible. Hey, that's Shane, a huge can I ask you? Yeah, yeah. Why did he ask you that? I mean, it's kind of a like um maybe like an obvious like grade school question. Like why? Like what? What about you? Or how did you parlay that that opportunity? Because I feel like there's someone who's like thinking like how did how did this guy? He just asked you like I, mm-hmm. I just want to be asked. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think uh, I think this it kind of started from like a little bit of collaborations first. So like the first little projects that I got to do was. Um, uh, a collaboration with like Russell Moccasins and mm-hmm. uh, I did a couple with Trickers and I did a couple with uh, Viberg and it's just I guess maybe it's just I I had a good sense of what the Haven aesthetic was mm-hmm. as a as a whole and really into product and just able to like conceptualize how to create a product and we, like even though we didn't have any experience I think we just had a similar similar vision yeah, totally. And it makes sense. And obviously you you weren't just plucked from the street. Like you said, you were working on the floor and you were doing those kind of things and you're going mm-hmm. through design school. So you have a little bit of the cachet mm-hmm. that is necessary to actually um, to, to, to enter into a role as such. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about your school a little bit. This isn't you know, on the, on, on the, on the ticket card, but I want to know mm-hmm. a little bit more about kind of what it was like for you going to school and working and mm-hmm. um, maybe give some insight into the certain things that you studied that maybe really helped you in your career. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually started in art school before design. So mm-hmm. I did a couple of years in art school and 
yeah, it was just being able to be completely expressive with uh, with creativity. So that was kind of what I learned from art school. But the one thing is it's not marketable uh, or unless you're, you're really getting marketing yourself. And uh, it's really hard to commercialize on it or monetize on art. So mm-hmm. I kind of had struggles with that during my uh, years at art school. So I uh, <laughs> there's like one art project where I just did like a triptych and it was just like the most depressing paintings <laughs> and my, my 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 professor was like why like why did you do this i'm like i don't know i'm lost i'm not sure like this is what what i want to do so this is yeah. how i feel totally. so uh she recommended design and i was always into clothing and i never really thought that was like the avenue that i would go to mm-hmm. um but i uh they when i talked to them it was kind of like this new program that we didn't even expect mm. and it was a uh, product design and from what I understood, they were saying that it's more technical apparel based, like, you know, out in North, uh, Vancouver, we're really focused on outdoors. So we have right. a lot of like Lululemon, Arteryx and uh, MEC and stuff. And mm-hmm. they were like, this is kind of the direction we want to go with this program. Uh, are you in? And I'm like, ah, yeah, that's sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, but as I enrolled in it, we were like the guinea pigs of that, that program. Um, they, they didn't even have like real professors who knew who were wow. specialized in that. So they just kind of like brought in professors from graphic design, industrial design, and just fashion design, just kind of wow. like mixed the curriculum up. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't feeling it, you know, like after the second year, uh, they were giving me a, I was, I was in one of the, the second, second year classes and they were legit just the syllabus was the same thing. And I was like, mm. are you kidding me? Yeah, I, yeah. I I just dropped out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Makes sense. I mean, that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, and at that time I was working at Haven, so I I legit dropped out. So yeah, um, t- taught me the fundamentals, you know, like just understanding how to, uh, how to design for humans, like more for like a humanistic way, and I guess with the art, uh, the art background, it just kind of like let me think outside the box out of design like just to really get creative with it totally totally and i think that's actually really interesting um because it's a perfect segue into what you do at adapture mm-hmm. and i think um before i started this podcast you know i wanted to separate kind of your headspace for adapture and your headspace for haven if there are if they even are different headspaces i think they possibly are but um we'll get into it mm-hmm. and when you talk about designing for humans, I think that's mm. something that you share and you try to basically portray in, in the marketing elements and in the visual elements for Adapture. So let's talk a little bit about your beginning story or your origin story for Adapture. What is that origin story? Where does, where does the brand come from, essentially? Mm-hmm. So during the time at Haven, I've always had this kind of brand in the back of my mind. Um, it was always kind of something that I wanted to make as an inclusive product, um, especially since our industry is like super, it's all about exclusive stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I've, I've thought that that probably isn't the best way to go in terms of the product I wanted to make. Um, and honestly, it was a lot of the times coming from like going to these uh, buying trips or sourcing trips and out, out in Asia mm-hmm. and I just realized that 
there's a lot of interest in this type of technical apparel outdoor product out there. And out in Asia, people are just buying this stuff like Arterix jackets for Gore-Tex, like in this crazy humid, hot weather. It's like, it yeah. doesn't make sense. Like yeah. there should be products that are more designed for, for them, that climate, you know, humidity, like humidity control and like basically like uh, temperature adapting. And it's yeah. like, that's, that's what I thought the product range should be like. And I really wanted to, to create a product for that market. So totally. that's kind of like, kind of the origin stories behind adapter. So you feel like you're just going to basically solve a problem, create, create a uh, solution for a need that you felt the industry needed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you make a great point about the, I think Arc'teryx is a very interesting brand right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Arc'teryx, like you said, it, it's, it's, is it based in Vancouver? Is that, is it that is. where it, it, it started? Is. Yeah. I remember doing a, a, a series of Arc'teryx and, the archaeopteryx the the way the the logo is based off of mm-hmm. and, and kind of to see it um evolve from it started in like what like the mid 90s or early 90s and kind of has grown ever since then and um now it's kind of in the in most interesting life cycle that i feel like it's in with a lot of people wearing it and loving it and knowing about it in the streetwear kind of space and how you alluded to in in China, how, you know, those who are wearing it in, in pretty humid climates where it's not cold, you know, you're not going yeah. on a, <laughs> you're not going on a, you know, hike in the Alps or wherever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like walking around the, the city where it's like tropical rain and like, you know, you're sweating inside while you're getting rained on. It's at, at that period, it wasn't really the best, like best product, but it was super sought after out there. Like, yes. And, uh, you know, I think there's, there's a good market for something new. I think, uh, what one brand that actually just gets it is Uniqlo hundred percent. You know, mm. that was, that is a brand that just came out specifically for that, for, for that market and reached us out here in North America. But yeah. I feel like there's, there's more, more brands that can evolve out of that. Totally, totally, totally. And I think, um, Uniqlo is another really interesting case, mm-hmm. a brand that, has um has a lot going for it i feel like right now in a lot of different aspects one of the things i want to ask you Mm -hmm. shane is the question of the idea of adaptable goods for everyday life it's a it's a term that you've coined and one that i found myself kind of reading over and over again when i was doing research and looking at your website and learning about adapture what is this idea of adaptable goods for everyday life Mm -hmm. like the philosophy behind that is a the second second slogan is a framework for living and mm-hmm. like the way i kind of see people or approach clothing is is kind of like a system it's a framework of how to how to put it together like you you start it you start with your underwear you're, you go with your socks like those and you go with your t-shirt and your pants and your outerwear it's it's a systematic way to like put on an outfit so mm-hmm. If you look at that, everything kind of works together in a system. Like uh, for outdoor, you have the um, base layer to moisture uh, to wick, wick the sweat, and then you have insulator layer to to keep you warm, but also wick the wick the sweat. And then you have like the shell jacket, which protects you from the rain and also wicks the sweat. So it's kind of like a systematic way of of doing it, and it's it's adapting to the environment. So yeah, it's a uh, 
for for adapter that's where i'm trying to go is to create products that actually just helped you adapt to the environment but absolutely yeah but even in different ways there's there's ways to like that's just like a physical prop physical way of explaining it but even just for style like you know there's a there's different different ways to pull off different fits with mm-hmm. different uh, silhouettes and that's that's also part of the framework totally totally and i think if you guys aren't getting it if you're listening right now adapture and and the word that shane is using often adapt the ability to adapt the ability to move in and out of situations and to be able to adhere to whatever situation is possible that i'm guessing that's what i'm getting that the the entire idea of the the naming adapture is and the entire ethos of the brand is about right Mm-hmm. 100%. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah, it, it's clicking. It's clicking on all cylinders <laughs> back here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask you also, Shane, um, what, what are some things that, you know, you are, are pretty proud about when it comes to the technology that you implement in the clothing? Um, you're so gracious enough to to send me out a shirt, and, and I, I tried it on, and I was talking about it more in a, in a pickups video. Um and this is also good for me too, for, for the video, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what, 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 what do you take pride in when it comes to the garments that you're creating and also help paint that picture. Cause I don't know if we've really talked about all the, the, the product line, essentially mm-hmm. paint that picture a little bit for someone who's like, Oh, what is adapter? I want to know more. I'm, this guy's, he sounds like he's talking good, but um, mm-hmm. how do I, you know, visualize what he's really saying. Right. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, for adapter, the product that I actually made, it's just at this moment, just t-shirts and long sleeves. But, you know, I, I, from my experience, I had to really start from scratch. So mm-hmm. from developing the patterns uh, to uh, sourcing the material and even working with a fabric developer to develop a custom material. Uh, I noticed that Cool Max is a really popular uh, fabric for um for Asia, where it's like a moisture wicking, keeps you cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's used a lot in in um, in technical apparel. But the one thing I noticed is it's just like a really coarse material because it's that polyester that's mixed with it. Right. So I had to work with my fabric supplier to to actually be able to make it softer and as close as cotton as possible. So it actually has a soft hand feel, but still has those technical attributes that I'm looking for. Right. So. Right just the material selection or just the materials that I've been using, it's compared to everything that I handled for the eight years that I've been sourcing and whatever, like all these fashion brands that I've handled, like it had to be close enough to those brands in terms of quality, Mm -hmm. but also accessible for everyone else price point wise. Yeah. And that's, I, I keep hearing that the accessibility aspect of it is really, really important. And also the the development the r and d the development of your of your text of your fabrics for the clothing that you're creating um huge key and i i can't wait to dive into the shirt i i tried it on essentially super excited mm-hmm. about it i was like oh this is dope i already already love this and i don't want to sometimes i don't want to spoil the kind of newness of an item before i present it on youtube or whatever so i've kind of uh I, i've kind of put it back in its in its in its uh in its bag and filled it up <laughs> nicely so i'm I'm really excited to, to play with that more and just kind of uh, experiment with it as well um one of the things also that i think that is really interesting and um i want to talk about chris for a little bit here and 
Um, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because I think with Vancouver's fashion scene mm-hmm. and art and creative scene, um, and I think all of Canada and all of the world is kind of continuing to learn more about some of these subcultures and subgroups, and it's kind of being brought to uh, new audiences and people are growing up and experiencing, you know, fashion differently. How would you describe kind of Vancouver's influence on maybe Adapture and how it's maybe the city or not the, how Vancouver's also, you know, influenced you essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I would say Vancouver is a really mixed bag of people. Uh, we, we don't really have much of a culture to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're still such a new city in terms of, the world timeline and everything there, there's not a lot of uh culture that vancouver really really developed and i feel like that actually helped people who are seeking uniqueness and they do want to find something different to really go search for it they they really had to go hard into uh different subcultures that resonates with them and right. it's just really meeting these people now uh, who grew up with the media that they liked <laughs> and uh, just sharing those uh, sharing what sharing similar interests or different interests, different insights. Right. And I, I feel like that's what really uh, like right now is, is happening for Vancouver for like the culture scene and influence. It's just meeting these people who, who yeah, see, see eye to eye. Totally. And I think I've always been interested in Vancouver I mean, I've always been interested in Canada, and, and I'm not sure where that comes from, really. It might come from a little bit from um, basketball, like with, with the basketball teams there. It might come from the fact that there there are a lot of differences in some of the larger cityscapes across the entire country. And um, But talking about Vancouver, I've always heard it's a very beautiful place, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, relatively expensive is something mm-hmm. that I've also heard. Um, and But it's interesting to hear you you have to say about the the culture aspect of it and it makes a lot of sense because a lot of if you think about a lot of these larger kind of cultural hubs whether it be you know paris new york or japan or parts of china wherever it is there's so much like there's so much influence from whether it be like the the culture of like the actual region or the culture of the people coming into that region, right? Mm-hmm. Um, really fascinating that you, you kind of bring that up. And even for a state like a measly state like Colorado, I feel like it doesn't have that necessary, doesn't have that culture necessarily, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, but it's continuing to, to build and there are some elements of it. So mm-hmm. really fascinating, just really, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. R- really really fascinating stuff here <laughs> <laughs> i don't how i sound right now guys <laughs> no it, it's it's weird it's it's weird to have a, a solid perspective on the city to be honest it's like it's it's a mixed bag there's a lot of people who who love it here specifically for nature you know like yeah even yeah. if you look at the brand identities for most of most of the vancouver brands it's like really just outdoor focused like right. outdoor lifestyle focused like yoga focused so it's uh it's hard to like be distinctive like a, a like Amelia Andor or something you know like right. hip-hop influence right. it's a it's it's hard to pinpoint what Vancouver is in in that sense yeah that's a really interesting point I think that it creates um honestly it makes me think about some of the th- the brands that have come out of Vancouver and I feel like a lot of them, you know, instead of, and like you brought up Emily on door, like 
a lot of times what what Emily Andor is doing, at least in this moment, is looking kind of towards the the near past, right? Some mm-hmm. things that happened relatively, not like hundreds of years, you know, but like eighties, nineties culture, hip hop, basketball culture, things that happened, but are much different now because of the advent of the internet. Mm-hmm. And when I think of Vancouver, I think a lot of those brands, like you were mentioning, outdoors are, are very almost like future forward. They're thinking about how can we create clothing that just pushes that boundary for what the human being is able to do, almost in the same vein as adapture in that way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that stood out to me about the brand also is I went through and kind of watched and listened to all the kind of campaign videos and, and things of that nature. What is the inspiration behind the kind of creatives and, and the, in the campaign videos that you have done? Yeah. So growing up raised by the media, I was legit super influenced by film and, and uh, music videos. And mm-hmm. uh, the specific era that I was really into is actually the late nineties, early two thousands, kind of like what you're talking about and Amy Leondor, just yeah. bringing, bringing back those, those uh those paths and bringing it forward it's like uh that's what i was really into like i i thought it was such an era of quality and creativity um like for example like you had really interesting figures like buster rhymes and totally. you watch his music video like put your hands up where my eyes can see like that that you know it's such a weird interesting <laughs> like you know who like no one really comes up with that it was so original like mm-hmm. you'd be like whoa what the hell or every like director acts like music videos are all like different or like uh another strong influence would be kind of um like daft punk the funk like the dog just with the mm-hmm. boom box like mm-hmm. all like that all this fight <laughs> you know like it's it's just that era just really resonated with me and i, I think that's what really uh made me who i am kind of as a character or my influences and uh, i want to kind of recreate some of that uh that that feel those moments that i have for for this brand for the commercials i do yeah totally and i totally get that i love the uh kind of how do i describe it because the best way the best way you guys can look is just go to you know the adapter instagram and just check them out man they're, they're so like they they do give me a, a 90s 2000s feel like with the voiceover and just like the movement and the filming all those kind of things mm-hmm. um so that, that's that, i love that i love i love the uh, respect for the the things that you cared about and bringing it back to because mm-hmm. it's i feel like there's just like a lot of stuff that maybe was missed mm-hmm. uh some mm-hmm. b-sides some uh some stuff that's just didn't get as much appreciation as it should and just trying to shed some light on that. Totally. Totally. Now I want to talk to you and transition a little bit to, I think the, the adapter part of the, of, of the podcast is always important and it's always valuable to hear about a, someone who's trying to start something's perspective essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important for just me. I love talking about it just to hear what other, other brand owners and what other brands are focusing on. And, but I also want to touch on kind of some of the more hard skills, right? Um, you, you, you do currently have a full-time position at Haven. You continue to work with Adapture. Um, I want to ask you, you know, maybe from the perspective of like, what are the kind of biggest skills that you 
have acquired over the last umpteen or um some years mm-hmm. that have helped you at, at your job and now with your with your own brand mm-hmm. uh, honestly just using the, the adobe suite it is super crucial uh it's just giving you the tools to be able to just create something out of your mind or like put it into uh image mm-hmm. so using photoshop using illustrator um those are really crucial to start off with. I, I feel like just the ability to draw out what's in your mind. Totally. And um, one thing that I've also used a lot is uh, is actually uh, Lightroom. So Lightroom mm-hmm. is just kind of like a, a photo editing software. But the one thing that you can learn so much from that is actually color correction, which is like really crucial, I would say, especially for e-commerce. Um, right. During my eight years, I was doing some editing for the e-coms photos on Haven. So it's uh, we always try to stru- like as the most accurate uh, product coloring product photos as possible. So mm-hmm. I learned those kind of qualities from that, and it, it just transcends when you start learning from all those Adobe Suite programs. You can really just make everything look so consistent and fluid. Right, and there's a lot of there's a lot of um, ways to learn about them. I think, I mean, obviously if, if you don't know, Adobe is just the number one tool when it comes to these kind of things. Right. Mm-hmm. I use, I use Adobe all the time, whether it be like with the videos I create, I use, I use Premiere Pro pretty much. Mm-hmm. It seems like I'm using Premiere Pro every waking moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> same here. <laughs> yeah. And then there's obviously the yeah, same with, like you said, Photoshop and, and Lightroom, incredibly mm-hmm. important keys. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that get at is that there's a lot of tools to to teach yourself. I I, I taught myself essentially how to do everything, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be um, googling it and YouTubing it and and then doing it a hundred times or fifty times until you just have it in the back of your mind. Or mm-hmm. um, there's also online courses for those. And I think I think most people understand how important you know Adobe is, and you can try to work around Adobe, but I I found it to be just it's just so much easier once you just put the time to actually learning it and doing those kind of things and for you as Mm -hmm. as a seasoned vet it's just second nature everything for you probably is just no man i had to learn (laughs) i had to learn premiere pro myself i had to learn how to do video editing there's a lot of stuff like it's a it's a it's hard it took a lot of time but it's rewarding when you know you can do it you know like exactly just takes practice (laughs) it really does it it takes just time like just like continuously like working and beating on it and just failing and getting frustrated and uh doesn't look like that it doesn't look like the way i want it to look and then <laughs> yeah. revisiting it <laughs> yeah exactly like you gotta mm. put a standard to yourself and just try to learn how to re- meet those standards but when you get yeah. there it's like everything is just it's consistent and you know people see the see the efforts in your product and in your website and everything in that sense totally totally mm-hmm. now this is another question kind of about adapter a little bit um and it revolves around uh one of the earlier podcast guests chris maradiaga mm-hmm. um and so i i met chris shane i'll tell you just kind of online and just talking to him and decided to have him on and it was impressive his work he did for you and some other brands how did you how did you meet Chris for one in, in the broader sense, how do you go about recruiting talent to kind of help you with Adapture? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually met Chris off TikTok. Like I, uh, I had someone recommend um, 
he was saying that, oh, hey, this guy is on TikTok and he actually, I've seen him at Haven before, like well, as a customer. And mm. he's just like, you should reach out to him. I'm like, hey, what the heck? Like, how, how come I never met this guy? I worked the floor a bit. So um, I reached out to him, you know, I, I, th- I think I put it in the same mindset as I did here. It's just uh, finding like-minded people in the area and mm. um, f- it, it works the same as like online, just reaching out to like-minded people online. So totally um, totally i hit him up and you know he was just like oh man how come i never met you earlier and i'm like yo why haven't i met you earlier <laughs> <laughs> so just like very uh just meeting people like-minded like that i think it's 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 pretty organic when when something clicks totally and i think for like chris he's such a cool guy <laughs> honestly yeah. chris is such a cool dude i talked to him a little bit more afterwards and i totally get how you guys could just in the same area, like within the same region, like doing, you know, things that coexist together. Like it makes, it makes a lot of sense. It mm-hmm. really does. Mm-hmm. Um, or I wanted to ask you a, a question about one more, one more question about skill sets in terms of like some of the skill sets, maybe you're learning to enhance kind mm-hmm. of a different kind of question for the podcast. I never really asked this question, but like what, mm-hmm. what skills if any, are you looking at and kind of examining and being like, Oh, I want to maybe learn how to do this in the next six to eight months. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's honestly just the social media part, just kind of being more open to it and growing it and Mm -hmm. reaching out to more people, to be honest. It's, uh, it's just something that I haven't really done in my personal life. And it's definitely a flaw that I knew that I never tried. Um, So it's, that's definitely the realm that I want to grow into. It's just reaching out to people. It's like it's it's fun. Every time you every time you click with someone, it's just like, oh shit. Like this guy gets it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, I totally get Why you didn't that. I? Why didn't I like why was I so hesitant on reaching out to him earlier? It's like, what the heck? Like, what is this? And just just dropping that ego and just like just go with it. Totally. You reached out to me and I was so happy you did because I'm always, always looking for people who are like minded who are mm-hmm. passionate, who like want to have these conversations. Cause like, it's a conversation that like, I love to, I like, I love these conversations. So people who want to have them, mm-hmm. man, I, I truly appreciate it. Truly do. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of moving towards the, the conclusion of the pod, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on. And, uh, hopefully you guys didn't hear that. It just was like torrential rain. It just rained so hard here in Denver. Like, I, I can't explain <laughs> it to you. <laughs> Hopefully it didn't affect... I don't think the audio picked it up, but it was no. raining so hard. Um, anyways, kind of getting into the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, talking a little bit about Adapture and then just kind of concluding with that and your why and things like that. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, where do you want Adapture to be in the next few years and where do you envision it and, and where do you kind of hope it to be? Um, I'm hoping that I can actually create enough products to actually have a system, uh, adapter system, or, or having a, um, enough products that you can just wear it head to toe and see how it works together. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the future. And just even uh, just meeting more people, like having more collaborations, having some pretty special projects work like in the mix, like that's kind of where I want to see it. Just exciting new product. Yeah, I love that. I totally love that, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's always fun to to be able to do your own thing too, and to just see it progressively grow and expand. And that that's kind of the same goal for me. Just just to 
be able to create, you know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. be able to continue to create, continue to um, bring value to others and kind of leave your, leave a mark in, in, the, in that sense because, you know, you're creating such well-made products essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last question I want to ask you before we ask about social media and things and it's mm-hmm. the, it's the, it's the why question. And the why question is, is, you know, what is your why? Why, why do you um, continue to, put the time you put into adapture and into working at Haven and, in fashion and in clothing and product design and marketing and all these things, you know, what is your, what is your why? Uh, the reason why I started the brand, it's, it's really just to be able to give people the tools to define themselves. Like just instead of going to that marketing direction where you're just kind of forcefully telling people that this, this is the product for you, this is mm-hmm. what's made, like, this is what works for you. It's instead of that, it's just kind of breaking that and just giving them as much information as possible about the product and just like let them decide who they are, you know, <laughs> like yeah. don't tell them what they need. Just this is this is all the information that I can give you as quality information as possible. And if it suits you, by all means, it's like this, this, this is the product for you that like totally. I want you to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a great, that's a great note to end on. Um, mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't want to say anything above that. Great note to end on. Where can people find out more about you? Where can people uh, shop the, the adapture line as, as it exists right now and do, do those kind of things? Yeah. So you can reach me at my social media at uh, adapter.co. Uh, a D A P T R u-r-e.co <laughs> uh or even just my personal just that like shane long um but check out the website to be honest put a lot of time and effort into it i think uh, it really shows through what the brand is yeah. um and it should be pretty fun and interactive to just scroll around too <laughs> it is i think i should mention to it the website is very very well done yeah uh, i gotta give you gotta give you your props for that it makes me like Okay, he did this here, <laughs> and he did this here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it it's definitely thought through, and my friend who helped me on it is like a developer god. So oh, wow. <laughs> I really appreciate what uh, like all the things he's done for me too. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, Shane, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me too. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Shane. Let's get into the post-podcast analysis. I'm really excited to see where Shane's adapture continues to evolve over the course of the next nine months, year, two years. I think he has a great grasp on the idea of inclusivity within his product offerings. And I think that's a really powerful one in a space that has so much exclusivity, that has so much rarity in the product line. Having a brand that creates staples is a lot um less common than you find the kind of exclusivity route. I will be showcasing one of my very own relaxed fit adapture t-shirts on my YouTube channel this upcoming week. It'll be a part of the July August pickups video which seems to be some of my most popular videos. If you want to see this shirt firsthand, check that video out. It'll be out this Sunday. I think something that stood out to me when I was re-listening to this episode was when Shane mentioned how he's continually learning about kind of the social media aspect of the business as marketing has evolved over the last 8, 10, 15 years. Even for someone who has a good amount of time in the industry, they still have to continually learn new things 
And like it or not, social media has become such a huge element to any brand company that exists in the world today. Another thing that he mentioned that I could have honed in more on was when he actually left school and he's decided that it wasn't worth his time to repeat the same curriculum that he did last year. And I know for a lot of people, the value of college and the value of higher education, it depends on what your major is and it depends on what you want to do after you're done. And something that I've realized is that there is no greater experience than actually getting down in the dirt and doing the thing that you want to do, failing repeatedly and getting back up and doing it over and over and over again. Now, this could be small failures like, oh, you know, I I made an error, a small error that I can correct. Or it could be a huge learning curve that you have to overcome to actually be Become the individual you want to in said field, whether it be in fashion or art or sustainability or marketing or whatever. Like I said, it was a pleasure having Shane on the show, and hopefully his brand adapter just continues to blossom into something really, really special in the Vancouver area and beyond. If you enjoyed this episode of the Beyond the Garment podcast, I would appreciate it if you left us a five star review. And hopefully you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next week. It should be a lot of fun. It will be a lot of fun. Really fun guest for next week. So see you guys next week. If you have any comments about the podcast, I would love to hear about it. Send me a DM either personally or through the podcast Instagram. Trying to foster this community. Trying to bring you guys as much value as possible. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. I'll move forward in that way. All right, y'all. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Peace. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a comment on our most recent Instagram posts telling us what you got out of this episode. All right, wherever you are in the world, have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time.